the main thing we have to be very clear, everyone, it is going to be impossible to circumvent it. So this is here to stay. And I think the more that we have robots in our in our uh, culture and society, we're going to see you know a, a push towards having more human interactions. And I think that's one of the best things that we bring to the table as language educators is that it is about human interconnection. You're listening to Speaking of Language, a podcast recorded at the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. Each week, we explore a topic related to language pedagogy and second language acquisition. This week on Speaking of Language. Claire Francis and Giovanni Zimotti discuss their research into ChatGPT, one of the recent artificial intelligence programs garnering attention in and out of academia. Claire and Giovanni discuss how the bot fared under the scrutiny of language instructors. Welcome to a new episode of Speaking of Language. I'm Angelica Kramer, the director of the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. And I'm Sam Lupowitz, the LRC's media manager. We are joined today by Claire Francis and Giovanni Zamati of the University of Iowa. The duo recently published an article in FLT Mag about the artificial intelligence-powered writing tool ChatGPT and its potential impact on writing and language education. They will share those findings with us today. Welcome to Speaking of Language, Claire and Giovanni. Thank you. Thank you. Um, before we dive into talking about AI, uh, we'd love for both of you to tell us about your background and path with languages. Claire, maybe you could start for us. Uh, sure. Uh, my background is in French language and literature. Um, I I don't know how far back you want to go, but I uh, I learned when I was very uh, in seventh grade and and stuck with it and became fluent and started teaching. Um, but I had a little uh, veer off the path of French for a little while where I taught uh, collegiate writing at Grinnell College. Mm. And then I also taught French and founded a language center there. And then in 2019 was hired by the University of Iowa to be the director of uh, what was then called the Language Media Center, in which I have transformed into the Center for Language and Culture Learning. Wonderful. I... I'm Italian, but I teach Spanish. Let's get that <laughs> out of the way. Uh, my background is in language acquisition and language teaching. I got a PhD from the University of Alabama. And here at Iowa, I teach Spanish and language teaching. And I direct the Spanish basic program. So the, basically the first four semester of Spanish. Wonderful. So to get us started here. Most everybody by now has heard of ChatGPT, but just in case some of our listeners are unfamiliar, what is it and how does this thing do what it does? And also maybe why is this a concern for educators? Okay, so I'm going to start. So ChatGPT, it's basically a chatbot. Everyone has been interacting with some of them. For example, if you go on Amazon with a customer service or any mm -hmm. online like chat, the first two or three interactions are going to be with a chatbot. Now, all, of, all those chatbots like ChatGPT are built on language models that are some sort of like software trained on text to understand language and do things with languages. Uh, ChatGPT is like one of the most recent one. It's very impressive. It was trained over 75 or 175 billion pieces of text. But it's also important to say that 
they used a lot of human trainers. So it wasn't mm-hmm. just like an artificial intelligence working by itself, but they had a lot of people like conversating with this tra- with this chatbot and improving the model's performance. It's a concern for language educators or for educators in general or for everyone in the world because it can create text from just a short prompt that looks pretty well written. It can also create codes. So a lot of people in education are scared because they're thinking that their students are going to use it to Mm. cheat cheat on their exams, on their papers, and so on. Got it. Well, so naturally, this piqued our curiosity. Um, In the recent article that you both worked on for FLT Mag, you described a few informal experiments you conducted with ChatGPT in Spanish, French, and Italian. Um, So this is an umbrella question, but can you tell us about your experience and your discoveries? Sure. Uh, so we decided to write this article. Giovanni came to me and said, well, you, you want to write an article on ChatGPT? And this was in uh, early December. And I, at the, that point, didn't really know much about it. So I did a little bit of background and, uh, you know, research on it. And he said, oh, but I think we should have ChatGPT co-write this article. Experiment <laughs> has a couple of levels, right? It's Brilliant a, it's an ex- idea, by the way. I loved that part. Yeah, so it's an experiment with uh, with rhetoric in a way, right? Yeah. So we're we're co-writing an article with the platform, and then within that article, we we perform an experiment, and we um and we and we perform the experiment on our colleagues actually. So what we did was we asked uh, colleagues for prompt in Italian, French, and Spanish for writing prompts at the intermediate level. We fed those prompts to ChatGPT. And then it took the results and gave them back to the faculty members to grade uh, using any rubrics that they would use uh, for their normal grading procedures. And what we found was that, uh, you know, when the, the premise was, can ChatGPT trick fa- language faculty into thinking that it is a student? And what we found is that it could not, at this point, trick them because uh, language faculty are very uh, intelligent. <laughs> and it turns out... That you can tell when a, when the uh, quote unquote student or the ersatz student was was performing at a level beyond what you would expect of an intermediate student. That is to say, um, I can tell you from the French example that ChatGPT was using syntax and vocabulary well beyond even an intermediate high student. And I um, have a comment in the article where I said some of those structures were parts of speech and, and use and language usage that you wouldn't see until graduate level writing. Mm. And I think our colleague, our colleague in Spanish noticed the same, that this was way above, you know, they were hitting above their, their league mm-hmm. at these, or they, <laughs> the, the chat GPT bot was hitting above its league in terms of intermediate level. Um, the high and achiever. The other, yeah, it's a higher <laughs> achieving bot, right? So the other interesting thing that we found is that a lot of recommendations about how to uh, AI-proof your writing assignments is to make them personal and um, and narrow and specific. And so, as a matter of fact, the assignments that we gave, as many assignments are at intermediate language uh, teaching levels are, were personal and specific. Mm-hmm. Tell us about your journey as a Spanish uh, teacher, or I'm sorry, learner of Spanish. 
or tell us about, in the French one, I think, a time that you felt uh, very successful or confident, I think was the thing. Um, and so those are very much focused on the first person narrative. And nevertheless, ChatGPT could, you had no problem with that kind of prompt. And then the Italian prompt was even more interesting because it was, a, it was an analysis of um, a piece of art. And ChatGPT was able to analyze that piece of art in a very um, astute way, right? And, and above intermediate mm-hmm. again. So I found that interesting in the sense that uh, that it that the technology was able to deal with the AI proofed so-called AI proofed um, types of prompts that we what, that we're suggesting that people use. Um, and so what our conclusions from this informal experiment is that. For the moment, chat GPT or AI gen- or writing um, platforms cannot really trick a faculty member um, into thinking that they are students because faculty members can kind of, you know, mm-hmm. figure out levels of language. Um, however, there these technologies are improving every day, mm-hmm. and a lot of it depends on how you prompt the technology. So sure. if you say to... ChatGPT write this from the perspective of an intermediate student and include some mistakes, uh-huh. uh, that yeah. might be something a very smart student would do, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, the jury is kind of out in, mm-hmm. a, in a way. Well, Those you know, I, yeah, I, I thought it was also interesting when you prompted the bot to um, talk about the debate surrounding all of this, including citations, that the citations really were not in any way, shape, or form in an acceptable way for an academic research paper, right? And then you even found that some of those citations probably didn't even really exist. So, um, but exactly. yeah. They don't really exist, yeah. Yeah, Clara, as yep. you said, it, it is evolving every day. So we'll see. So are there any positives that you see in the development of ChatGPT or other chatbot services, or is it all just vexing? I, th- I think there are so many positive aspects of this technology. It's You can think about it as a personal assistant. And so now I'm going to give you an example that I've been, pl- I've been playing with it a little bit. I've been working on a study that involves language model and Before consulting with ChatGPT, I consulted with two artificial intelligence, language model, software engineering experts. And I had conversation with them like lasting one hour or two. Hmm. And it took ChatGPT like five minutes to Mm -hmm. basically tell me Mm -hmm. how to proceed in my study. Mm -hmm. And for them, it took like two hours. And I think the clarity Uh I got from ChatGPT, it's way better than what I got from those two experts. So there are ways that ChatGPT can help us. It can also help our students. There are so many ways that we can use this software for our students. For example, have a conversation with a chatbot. And I know I I did something in the past with like Google Home or things like that, asking the students to talk with these devices. But always the, the replies that we get, they were never natural. In this case, with ChatGPT, you can get very natural or simulated mm-hmm. interactions with a bot. And so it can help the students improve in their target language if they want to. There are also ways to save time for instructors. Mm-hmm. So yeah. let's say you are creating a lesson plan for tomorrow and you are really struggling creating this short text in your target language and you're 
out of ideas. You can ask ChatGPT to create it for you and the students are not going to mind it. Now, you always have to be the editor of this created document or you have a reading for your students and you want to have some multiple choice questions to make sure that your students are reading. You can ask ChatGPT to create the multiple choice questions, then you review them. So instead of starting from scratch, you have a base of questions that you can review, improve, use as they are, and then send them to, the, to your students. So there is a lot of like save, uh, time saving that ChatGPT can help instructors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so you're already sort of building on this next question, um, but do you have any additional advice on how language instructors could circumvent or even or utilize ChatGPT? So the main thing we have to be very clear, everyone, it is going to be impossible to circumvent it. So this is here to stay. There are other companies developing similar models and even like more advanced models. So it's going to be there. Students are going to be using it. Just think about when we went from typewriting to a computer. Then we, we went to, from a Word document to a Word document that will self-correct your spelling or self-correcting your grammar. There are already like software that do that. Now, this is like taking it to a different level. It's mm -hmm. elevating to a different level. So it's here to stay. Now, if you have a course that relies on a formative assessment or a summative assessment that includes a lot of writing, and you really want to keep that without changing it, you might have to do it in person. You might have to use a proctoring software, something like that. But my real advice for instructors is we might want to rethink our formative and summative assessment. Mm. So mm -hmm. the way we assess our students, the way we give them assignments, what do we do? We have to change it so that ChatGPT or Google Translate and language instructor has been, have been already doing that with Google mm -hmm. Translate or similar online dictionary. So we need first to start rethinking our policies and mm -hmm. maybe like teach our students how to use those software for improving their writing and tell them like, hey, this is what you need to do. You can use ChatGPT, you can use Google Translate, but maybe like only 25% of the time, only for sentences that you really don't know how to create, but then you really need to understand them, explain them to me. But like the other day, I was having a conversation with Anna. She's teaching Russian here at the University of Iowa, mm -hmm. and she has this very cool assessment for, their, for her students that she asks her students to... It's almost a translation way, but she asked the students to have something in English, then write it their own way in Russian, and then ask Google Translate to write the same sentence in Russian. And then the students have to actually compare the two sentences, the mm -hmm. one they created and the one from Google Translate, and see the differences and see what one piece did well and the other piece did worse. So. Yeah. Gotcha. Interesting. I, I'd like to jump on there is that what... Um, the, the professor that Giovanni cited and things that he's alluding to are bringing in, um, and I think this would be a good solution or a good recommendation, is bringing in metacognitive strategies and having students really being able to explain why they make the choices that they make and why, you know, chat GPT might be useful in this particular section of a piece yeah. of writing, but where are we going Right. And so metacognitive processes are really going to help them think about their writing and, and develop those critical thinking skills that we want them to to do through mm -hmm. writing yeah. activities. Um, and then I'd also say another thing that 
that um, a piece of advice is to really have a conversation with students about why we teach writing and why mm. it is so important, whether it's in the second language or in English, and yeah. why why we do this. It is the as I, as people have said, as I like to say, the coin of the academic realm. We sure. use writing to communicate with each other, and it is so important as you are becoming a scholar, even an undergraduate scholar, to be able to engage and to use that coin of the realm mm-hmm. uh, and and um, and to ex- exercise those muscles in yeah. your brain, really, you know, through the act of writing, grapple with ideas, use your critical thinking skills. It's so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. Considering the title of your article that starts out with, quote, robots versus humans, end quote, we would be remiss not to ask a question that actually has come up quite often in previous seasons and episodes on our podcast here. And that question is, should our listeners be preparing themselves for the robot uprising? (laughs) I don't think so. I think (laughs) robots, they're going to help us. They're not going to, like, replace us. Like, you know, the other day I was, we were trying, we did a workshop about ChatGPT, and we were trying to ask ChatGPT to create some questions for students to fill in the blank, some fill-in-the-blank activities. Mm-hmm. Yes, they can create them, but the critical thinking about picking the right activities for your students mm-hmm. at that type of level, I think some of those things, we still need human input. Yeah. There's going to be some help from the robot, but for now, I would say language teachers are safe. They are needed for <laughs> teaching languages. Wonderful. I'm relieved. Thank you. And I think the more that we have robots in our in our uh, culture and society, we're going to see, you know, a, a push towards having more human interactions. Very and I think true. That's one, of the, one of the best things that we bring to the table as language educators is that it is about human interconnection yep. um, and communication. Where can our listeners find out more about the two of you and your work and ChatGPT? Okay, this is a complicated question. Okay. (laughs) So about me or my work, I think the easiest way will be either the webpage of the university or my website. That is www.giovannizimotti.com. Unfortunately, I I do not update it quite often, but I will try to keep it updated. Uh, the, the the university website also for the Center for Language and Cultural Learning. Um, you can find out. A, a, I don't have anything about ChatGPT on there, but I do have other projects I'm working on. And I think to learn more about ChatGPT within our article, we um, we embedded a Google Doc that is a crowdsourced Google Doc full of articles and oh, nice. um, oh. advice about ChatGPT. So that's a you know a, a, a paper within a paper that mm-hmm. we've done. Um, and obviously there are many articles, the proliferation of articles is astounding at this point about Mm -hmm. ChatGPT. We are in the process of getting IRB approval for a study about ChatGPT and language models. And the main goal of the study is to gather instructor perspective about this tool and potential innovations coming from all language instructors. So... We're going to be sending a survey pretty soon. Be on the lookout for that and please help us. We will also be pre- presenting at the IELT conference in June. Woohoo! Yes, <laughs> I, I am so excited for that. Cannot wait. Great. This was wonderful, really interesting, and I'm, I'm quite interesting to see actually what happens between now and June even 
you know, with with Jet GPT. So it should be maybe we'll need to revisit this conversation at the conference and record another episode. Um, but before we sign off, we would like to ask both of you to share a word with us in a language that you speak, that you love, that you are learning, that you want to learn, that makes you laugh. What is that word? Could it be an, expre an idiomatic expression? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Well, one of, my, one of my favorites in French is J'ai d'autres chats à fouetter, which means I have other cats to whip. <laughs> oh, that's... Oh, this is perfect for me. Yeah. That's great. Cats yeah. terrify me, so I, I definitely <laughs> need to add that to my repertoire. <laughs> It means having other fish to fry, but J'ai yeah. d'autres chats <laughs> uh, thinking about a word that makes me laugh. I don't know. I don't want to be boring, but I think like the way they use y'all in the south of the United States, it's pretty good and it's pretty fun. That is a good one. I love y'all. I, I I picked that up at a certain point because it's it's so warm and uh, like I'm not from the south. I've lived in the northeast my whole life. But uh, yeah, it's great. English d doesn't have a lot of default gender inclusive uh ways true. to address folks so I, i've always liked that one <laughs> yeah it's better than you guys yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's that's more more typical of where i grew up and and <laughs> my mother was not a fan <laughs> thank you both again for speaking of language with us claire and giovanni well thank you for having us again thank you all for having us next week we will speak with larissa kazumagic kafejic a Fulbright Visiting Scholar Fellow here at Cornell from the University of Sarajevo. She gave a talk as part of our monthly LRC speaker series on language and peace. Hear more about how peace pedagogies and peace linguistics can be joined in language education. Until then... Auf Wiederhören! The Language Resource Center is located on the ground floor of Stimson Hall on Cornell's main campus in Ithaca, New York. Check us out on the web at lrc.cornell.edu or follow Cornell LRC on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Speaking of Language is produced by Angelica Kramer and Sam Lupowitz. Recorded by Sam Lupowitz. Original music by Sam Lupowitz, Dan Gable, and Joe Gibson. Thanks also to the College of Arts and Sciences at Cornell University. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Sciences or any other official entity of Cornell University. We thank our listeners. And do stay tuned for our next episode.